Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast, live from the Boogie Down Bronx. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today. Dave Anderson. And today we'll be talking about pandemic job market shifts. I mean, this uh, this whole thing is causing causing ruckus all over the all over the United States. <laughs> Things are going crazy over here. COVID yeah. is running rampant on the job market everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Today we have a we have a special guest here with us. We have Zach Sims. How's it going, Zach? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on down, Zach. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called Code Academy, and at Code Academy, our mission is to connect people to economic opportunity, and we do that by teaching at this point tens of millions of people around the world programming skills, data science skills, all online, starting for free. That's awesome. Yeah, I I, I believe I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember growing up as a as a young as a youngling, you know, wanted to be a developer in the world. Uh, and I know that 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 time I was in college and I think I just graduated college. And then uh, 2011, is that correct to say? Yeah, I think it might have been right, 2011. Yeah. yeah, I already, I already got my, old, you know? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I got a diploma and student loans. I imagine other people were, you know, had to deal with that. And suddenly this website was up to teach people how to program for free. Um, and I know like right now we've all been locked in our homes. Yeah. A lot of free time. A lot I, of free time. I, I, I was like cabin at, fever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta gotta get outside when you can. Like, you know, take a take a ride, take a breath of fresh air, whatever. Uh, yeah. I, I, I saw a, a tweet that you uh you retweeted the other day saying uh, like talking about how like a MLB player was using Code Academy to like do data science on his like pitches. That's so just wild. Just to show, like, even you know, even professional athletes get tired when they're cooped up inside, right? They can't, can't <laughs> right? play baseball, so you just have to figure out how to analyze the, the past years of performance. Like, how bored was he? <laughs> he couldn't play baseball, so he's like, "I'm going to learn Python." That's amazing to me. <laughs> you know, really, this is supposed to be a trend for the future, right? Everyone in professional sports should learn programming. To better their skills and I'm analyze. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think kind of now that all the leagues are back to playing, that that might not be as much of a thing. But we can hope. I mean, but there's somebody. There's somebody who's going to do that analysis, and it's it's becoming like kind of inescapable. No matter where you are, like the fact that he was able to get access to that data and like figure something out very personal to him was that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, and totally. I mean, I think I, I, when I saw that, I, you know, it's like the movie Moneyball, right? Like he's building his own algorithms and you know, what, what better like weird, uh, promo for our product than that. You know? <laughs> people are like, why should I learn to program? You know? And, and we say it really, any, this can be useful for anyone. Like, even if you're a professional athlete making millions of dollars a year. Yeah. Um, I'm so. thinking back to like the nineties with like, uh, with Bo. Bo Jackson or whatever, like Bo, Bo, <laughs> yeah. Bo knows, like he was like playing football, he's doing baseball. He would definitely be programming Python. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I imagine like this is uh, this is a very busy time for for you as a, the CEO of Code Academy, like serving a lot of new people who are are finding themselves in an unexpected situation where they have a lot of time on their hands and. Or maybe looking yeah. for something different. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been pretty crazy. You know, I think it feels like 
So we've been building the company for like nine years now. And I think when we first started the company, the thesis was like, wow, lots of people need to learn to program. They're all going to need to learn online. And, you know, I, I think those those things have been kind of slowly building, right? And people have slowly been awakening to those. Uh, but I think the pandemic, you know, for for many people has been that wake up call. Like, unfortunately, you know, we're trapped inside. So the only way for people to learn is online. So it's accelerated that for sure. And then I think from, you know, it, these skills being important with, you know, record unemployment, it's clear that learning something like programming, you know, will make people more competitive. And so it's been like a kind of crazy three or four months trying to figure out how best to help people during all this and like give them some semblance of purpose. Yeah, and it's it's kind of striking too, like the gap between who has the ability, the privilege to work remotely versus, you know, who who doesn't like programming is a pretty, pretty cushy gig. Like you're already like kind of uh, predisposed to being at a place which is technologically good off and, you know, able to still keep working and stay productive. Yeah. So first, the, the types of programming jobs, obviously, you can do from home and whatnot. But I also think there's this kind of even worse um, inequality that's being created too, as, as more and more students learn from home, right? That like some people have access to broadband, some people have great new computers, and, and plenty of people don't. Uh, so I think, you know, we oftentimes take it for granted that, you know, everyone has access to the same things that we have access to, like everyone, you know, will be able to watch videos and, you know, stream whatever learning content you want. And I think what this whole thing has exposed, unfortunately, is there's just like so many Americans and folks around the world that like, don't have access to those things. Yeah. And but, unfortunately, there's no clear way of getting it to them. That's, that's so true. Like a, a friend of mine, I was like talking with a friend of mine about like, they're like, Oh, yeah, you know, I thought about like moving upstate or something. And I, I was like, I was looking at like a broadband map for like the area that they're like, Oh, yeah, my friends like moving up here. So let's see what's up with that. It's like, oh my God, it's DSL. Oh, this is like, no. this is grandma internet. It's still a thing, yeah. <laughs> grandma internet. Yeah, it's like you got like one cat video in that internet at mm-hmm. most. And then it's going to come cr- crashing down. So like, yeah, I would not have made it through this like professionally or otherwise like i i watch a lot of uh you know videos of uh dogs and cats and stuff to pass the time which i wouldn't be able to do on dso yeah <laughs> gotta turn it down like uh what is it what's lower than 720p i don't know what it is but you probably have to turn it to that you want, right yeah 480 <laughs> yeah. i don't know those numbers under 720 yeah. what are those <laughs> yeah it's low definition yes yes <laughs> that's low like dive, uh that's basically the TV that was like in your parents' basement. There you <laughs> go. Kind of the cathode ray kind of deal. <laughs> I do have a question about the uh, Academy. So with, with the idea of like people are staying home who are not like me just spending their time on YouTube, but like wanting to acquire a skill, was there a, a, an increase of like the amount of people who subscribe to Academy? Uh, I'm really curious to hear like those numbers and how, you know, people are in People are dealing with this entire pandemic uh, very strangely and trying to find opportunities like learning how to program, like that baseball player who's trying to analyze his own data. Um, what was the, the the increase in subscriptions, uh, if you're okay with sharing that? Yeah, I mean, so, so I think at our peak, you know, on a per day basis, we were signing up, I think around three times as many, you know, free, new free signups and around three times as many, you know, paying subscribers. 
um, at, at its peak. And so I think mm-hmm. uh, what a lot of people are seeing is this like, you know, huge pickup during the beginning of the lockdown. Like you said, everyone's inside. They, you know, they want to pick up something new. Uh, and then I think now it's kind of starting to return to normal as we've gotten mm-hmm. all this, you know, reopening and things are kind of changing uh, with how people spend their time. So I think it, it grew dramatically and I think will settle like higher than it was beforehand. Mm. But I think isn't, you know, this dramatic spurt forever. Right. Baseball's back in season, so you know. <laughs> that's right. You got to get back <laughs> that, to pitching, right? That demographic is no longer in growth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More generally, I'm I'm curious. Like, it always seems like it's it's a tough it's a tough position to be in as like a junior developer entering the job market. So I, I imagine like with more people trying to invest their time in this, there's going to be a bit. It seems like it's going to be a bit uneven. Like with like more people at like a lower level trying to get those those nicer jobs. Yeah, I mean I th- I think one of the things that we see also is it's not just people like getting these you know, developer jobs. I think it's people that are becoming more, you know, fluent in programming for other jobs where they can be more competitive. So like people working in, you know, our finance team for instance like uses Python and SQL you know, so that they don't have to rely on the data science team. You can be a business analyst and learn, you know, Python and SQL and level up those skills. You can be a designer. Um, And so I think like there may be this glut of entry-level engineers, but I also think there will be, you know, more folks that are learning these skills that are fundamental and super important uh, and applying them to their other, you know, whatever else it is that they are doing from a professional standpoint. And in that sense, I don't think it's that harmful for you know, all these people to, to pick up programming, like as another skill to add to the resume, as opposed to just becoming, you know, full-time uh, engineers. Mm, oh, that's an interesting perspective. So it's like, you know, you're already using Excel. Like I've seen some of the Excel monstrosities people have put together. Mm. Like I, <laughs> I, I've I worked like I see at one like, every day, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I've worked at like three different clients where they're like, our, our mission is to replace Excel. Or like this Excel, <laughs> Excel spreadsheet that this guy has. It's like, we cannot have this anymore. Actually, we're doing that at Stride too. We're trying yeah. to replace yeah. an Excel spreadsheet. Yes. But like, you know, if you think about it, everybody's a programmer when when you come down to it. But if, if you actually understand the principles of programming, like you mentioned the salespeople, like looking at their metrics and sales data and being able to play with it in a more tangible way, that's that would definitely be a very competitive edge yeah i mean i think that's what we see often is like it's not just i think there's all these you know boot camps things like that that you know make this promise you'll become a software developer in three months and we'll get you an entry-level developer job um i think we, we try to be a little bit more realistic right it's, it's oftentimes not that easy to like directly change your life in three months um, and getting a job as a beginning developer like can be hard sometimes and, and might not be the first place that you know, that people look to hire in the middle of an economic situation like the one that we're in now. Do you have any like perspective on like how things might be shifting for more seasoned developers? Yeah, I mean, I, I think oftentimes that the market for more seasoned developers is definitely tighter, right? Like I think if you're, um, there are enough companies, first, like big tech is kind of always hiring, right? And so I think you've got these companies, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon that haven't really slowed down. You know, I, I do know that Google and Facebook, I believe, pumped the brakes a little bit on hiring. Um, but, uh, you know, my estimate is if you're a really, if you're a mid-level senior engineer, you know, job opportunities are still there for you. And so I think to your, to your point, like where this 
hurts the most is, you know, on the junior level. And that's kind of where I would expect to see it. And for more senior senior folks, I think obviously they, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to polish up your skills and, and, you know, work on great projects. But I think it's definitely not that big of a change for that section of the market, too. Mm. I guess like there are people who are like losing in the pandemic, like they're they're freezing, they're hiring or shrinking. But I guess there are other people who are still trucking, still still doing all right. It feels like the like the prevailing trend is like there are so many companies right that need software engineers and that are like move, becoming more digital. And if anything, I feel like kind of what we're seeing now is this you know rush to automation and like how can we build solutions so that people don't need to be in an office and don't need to be close to each other and you know automate aspects of factories and stuff like that. These things are kind of were already trends, but like are becoming even more so. They're all dependent on technology, right? So all of these kind of future innovations to make the post-pandemic world better, I think will be fueled by technology. And as a result, like the number net number of jobs, I think will, you know, either stay the same or, or dramatically increase in that sense. Mm, yeah. Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I didn't think about it. <laughs> All right. We just got to change everything now. Yeah. Right. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think we've talked about this on past episodes of the podcast too, but it feels like there's like kind of a gridlock with positions where it's like there's people who are just so in demand that like it's like you know of the housing market like everyone wants to buy a house but like no one is selling the house or like there's whatever like you can't like make the exchange in the market happen Uh, so it sounds like we're still going to be dealing with that kind of a situation for a while which is that's a blessing and uh, a challenge but the idea is that like as more people are now getting interested in programming, like in the future, that bottleneck will slowly start to open because now we'll have more people who, you know, took their free time to learn how to program or, you know, spike their interest in this, uh, in the world of software engineering. And, um, yep. but I mean, that that's not going to happen overnight, right? Like, I don't think these engineers are just going to find and land jobs. I think that'll slowly trickle so that more people do can fill those spots. It's just like a training job. Yeah, stuff always takes that time. Yeah. Just the training. It's just like like a five minute training montage, right? And then like, <laughs> there. It's that you know, punch easy. Of keys, yeah, punch of keys. Yeah, punch of keys. Making like tests. When, when you're watching, yeah, exactly. When you're watching, you know, a show and you see like all the text flying across the screen, right? Programming <laughs> is that easy. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm watching I'm watching devs right now. Ah, oh, so good. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm watching, but it's like I'm, I'm here. <laughs> Quantum computing, everybody! It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. How, how, how far are you? Because I feel like it gets really trippy. Only, but only to your comment if you like suspend the uh i know how technology works and like this is crazy i mean but i don't know how quantum computers work so you know maybe that's, that's right how- so it does seem magical <laughs> yeah exactly maybe they're right we'll I, find out just a documentary yeah. right <laughs> yeah exactly we are definitively living in a simulation so it's yeah it's bound to happen <laughs> I got one more episode left. I got. I'll, I'll catch up on that. No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. Oh, <laughs> Another thing I'm I'm curious about is like, so you're talking about like big tech and like uh, established companies, but 
you know, what, what about like smaller companies or people who are trying to start something new? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, this will be like totally cliche, you know, advice, but I think like there really is, a, you know, now is a great time to start a company. I think, you know, th- there are so many good companies that have been started in the middle of bad economic circumstances that I think it shouldn't deter someone. Now, of course, the challenge with all of that is, you know, you need to have your own economic freedom in a sense in order to be able to start a company. So I think that's obviously part part one is making sure, you know, you have yourself figured out. And then after that, I think it is, you know, a, a good time to start a company. There are, you know, obvious opportunities all across the board. And the way that the world is shifting right now is like insane, right? We've been talking about it. There's so many new, like, nothing will be the same, you know, six, 12 months from now as it was. And that just means that there are so many like new opportunities out there, you know, for you to figure out what kind of a company you can build and, and how the world will change and, you know, help people with that change. Yeah, that's, that's kind of inspirational, I guess, to think about like, there's different perspectives that now are getting a boost. And so now you can kind of like, get some more wind in your sails on a cool idea that maybe you've been kicking around for a while. Yeah. And I mean, look, again, I think most of us would be, you have to be like very lucky to have the the financial wherewithal in the middle of a pandemic to like quit your job and start a company. <laughs> and so I'm definitely not discounting that. <laughs> yeah. I guess like you're, you're taking a big risk in the middle of a bigger risk. Yeah, so, exactly. It's like, exactly. <laughs> it's like a big risk sandwich. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which some people like and other people not so much. <laughs> some people like that risk. It's a spicy yeah. sandwich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is a spicy sandwich right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually working with some folks who are trying to start something right now as part of uh, the client that I'm on right now. And they shared like a metric that I, th- I thought was kind of surprising. They, they uh, showed a graph of like, you know, job app or new business applications over time. And there was kind of like, you know, trend that was going down after the financial crisis in 2008, and then it was going up again. And then like now, like in, th- in this crazy situation, it, it shot up to like 450,000 applications, like rolling average in the last four weeks. Oh, over, wow, the, wow. over the baseline of like 217,000, the average. Wow. Since so it's like almost double the amount of applications. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, you were saying that and I was just like, see, like seeing this chart in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh. People, people that's, like the risky sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, like you mentioned before, Zach, the idea of if you have the capital and the ability to do that, there is probably an opportunity in, in all of this that people are finding. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, you know, I think venture investors love saying this, you know, we're, we're open for business right now. And, (laughs) you know, we we love investing in companies right now. And and for some of them, it's true. And in the case that it is like, I I think, you know, again, there are people that are raising money, like you can start a company now, you know, so. Just have a just have a, have that idea. Change that's that right. you know. Build an app that's going to replace that spreadsheet. I guess that's what right. That's what we've learned. If anything from this conversation, that's the. That's Dave, the you want to start? Dave, you want to start? Find find a spreadsheet. Let's go replace it. <laughs> this call gave birth to a, a great new company. Right there, you go. You mentioned that, uh, like as of right now, it's good to start 
uh, good time to start. But what about uh, companies who are in like, say, Series B? Like, is that a more dangerous place to be in right now? Or is it still like um, a safe spot? I'm not sure exactly. I haven't worked at a place that was in Series B in a long time. So I'm not sure how this particular pandemic is affecting those companies. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's definitely where it is hardest is maybe the wrong word, but it's where it's definitely hard. I think you're kind of looking at like a dramatic amount of uncertainty oftentimes, you know, Series B is like a company is still trying to figure out, you know, are we, what's the plan? What's the business model? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as a result, you might not have it all figured out and the financing market might dry up. And then you find yourself like really having to, you know, cut uh, across the company and that can be really difficult. And so, you know, I, I think those are the companies where you, you see a lot of the struggle right now um, because they had banked on more money coming in and so they're burning a lot of money and it's hard for them to become profitable. Um, and yeah, so that that can be not a good place. Right. Yeah, that the whole like business model of the startup where it's just feeding feeding the beast to yep. get hockey stick growth or something. I don't know. I've I've like read <laughs> That's, that's the theory, right? Like you gotta you gotta go in the red to get the black or something. But then, like, <laughs> sounds you know, good when you say it that way. You know, <laughs> there's probably a sports metaphor or something here. I, yeah, I don't exactly, know. exactly. <laughs> but like, when the world's working against you, then it, it kind of like uh, it's like oh, okay, like there's literally nothing we can do. I think that's why, unfortunately, you know, you see some of these layoffs that happen at a lot of companies, and and I think. You know, may unfortunately continue to happen just because companies were like overspending and it's hard to get a grip really quickly on that and in a world where you know the funding dries up for your company. Yeah, it was like kind of surprising. I mean it's not surprising, but like, you know, Airbnb was like poised to this was gonna be their year for doing an <laughs> IPO and like all this other stuff. And kind of they were positioned in a way that made it very disadvantageous for them in this situation. Well, I don't know if you saw it recently, though. They they now are saying like, oh, maybe they will go public this year because it turns out like people are traveling. They're, they're just not traveling like on planes, but they'd much rather stay in an Airbnb than they would, you know, stay at a hotel. And so people are like traveling local and there's all this weird. Yeah. So their business is recovering. <laughs> wow. Just, that's a, oh, really? That's yeah, crazy. It's like I guess better they, than ever. They just yeah. wanted to, they just want to get out of the house now. Like, <laughs> that's right. We're all desperate, like, right? I, I will literally sit in someone else's house and pay you money. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> change the scenery. I'll go a couple blocks down. Have it nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There you have it, everybody. Tech, is not going away. A lot of jobs, a lot of work to do. We need everybody <laughs> to learn how to program right mm-hmm. now. Right now. Work from home, watch devs. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add, Zach? Do you have anything to plug? Yeah. So uh, we're always uh, looking for more great folks to join the team to uh, help teach the world to program. So if you're a programmer who wants to uh, help other people learn the same skills that you do and access all the, uh, you know, be able to work from home and hopefully live a better life in the next 12 to 18 months of weirdness in this world, uh, you should check us out, codeacademy.com and click on jobs. Awesome. Awesome. Zach, are there any offers or promos for individuals who want to learn how to code on codeacademy.com? 
Yeah, so we are offering uh, free Codecademy Pro licenses to anyone who has been laid off or furloughed, unfortunately, as a result of the pandemic. And if you visit our website, you can find those. Awesome. awesome. Great opportunity. Awesome. Codecademy.com is where you want to go. Uh, slash jobs if you're interested in becoming a uh, software engineer at uh, Codecademy. And the website also has information for individuals who want to learn how to code. So much information. So much information, Codecademy.com. <laughs> Uh, Zach Sims, thank you so much for uh, coming on down. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, Thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.